Episode four, Shaking the Family Tree. I have my brother Logan here. Uh, what's up? What's up? What's up? So, uh, before the age of 13, 14, is that when you got cancer? 13, 14? 15. Yeah. Okay, so before that, what was your, uh, what was your life like? You know, the big dreams, kind of everything well, like that? Before that, I was, of course, I was in middle school, so I didn't really have any big dreams, but I wanted to be a state trooper. Or some type of law enforcement. When cancer hit, did that all kind of take a back seat to everything? We, uh, everything really took a back seat to that. Uh, of course, back then, of course, I say back then, it feels it's 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, back then, there was not as much medical advancement in, in cancer. Uh, you know, a lot of people think if you get cancer, it's pretty much a death sentence. What made you cause, because it, it was bone cancer in your left knee? Yeah. In your left knee. It was bone cancer in your left knee. Um, it was uh, in a basketball game is when it happened. So can you go through that basketball game and kind of what happened yeah, there? Well, it, was a, it was at a Christmas tournament in Clinton County. Um, we were actually playing Clinton County at the time. It was my, my, fresh, my first semester of my freshman year. Um, we, kid and I, were going up for a rebound fighting for it. Mm -hmm. When we came down, the kid's elbow came down and clicked me in the knee. And I think I had two more games that day. And it was, was kind of hurting me, but, you know, I kind of I played through it for the day. And, you know, I was limping and didn't really think anything else about it. And then that next day, we had to go back and play in the middle school. And we got there, and it was killing me. So I took a bunch of pro wrap and tape and taped it up and, Made sure there was good pressure on it, and you know, I played through it. And then that following Monday at practice, I was we were going through three lines, and Coach Matt came up to me and he seen me limping. He said, "You're gonna get that figured out, or you're not practicing." Mm -hmm. I said, "Okay." So I called mom and said, "You know, we need to get this figured out so I can go back and play basketball." She said, "Okay, well, let me get." an MRI schedule and we'll go from there so so did it just feel like a tweak or did it, it feels kind of feel like kind of like a pulled muscle to be honest with you I mean it it would hurt at times and sometimes you, you couldn't feel it you know I, I didn't you didn't think much of it didn't think much of it uh, you know I, we were expecting maybe a maybe like a maybe like a fracture or something. maybe like either a fracture or a torn ACL or something like that yeah. so you know when I went in and they put me in the machine, and Marty Edmonds was actually the, I still remember the tech. The tech and mom was back there with him at the time, and she tells a story. Yeah. And said Marty seen it pull up, and of course mom knew what it was right away. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then and that's, what and that's that. when stuff hit the fan. So. Yeah, so when she saw it to my understanding y'all didn't really know what it was until we was at home and i remember mom got a call and everybody was like sitting in the living room and stuff yeah i remember to this day i was sitting there with just my underwear on <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the love seat and i seen the 502 number pop up on our caller id we had scrtc yeah. and of course 502 is where you go and mom takes it in the her bedroom 
It was Dr. Buker. Dr. Buker is an orthopedic surgeon. Was an orthopedic surgeon. Now he's the dog in llama. <laughs> and he, uh, of course, they had biopsied it before that call, and it came back as benign. Benign's non-cancerous. Yeah. And they sent it off to pathology. Pathology report came back as osteosarcoma. So that phone call was Dr. Buger telling mom it was osteosarcoma. Mm-hmm. And I remember her crying mm-hmm. and coming in telling me what was going on. And at that point, you know, I was just, well, I'm dead. Yeah. Well, that's, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, well, of course, dad came home and then granny came over and then I had friends come over and you know, it was a it was a pretty traumatic experience at the time. Yeah. Such said you was pretty young and at that moment there wasn't a lot of um <clears throat> I won't say successful stories of cancer, but there wasn't a lot of technology there. And you're so young that you know, like you said, you're thinking the worst. Right. Well Dr. Buker when we went in after he gave the call, he said, you know, there's gonna be a major surgery down the road with taking the knee and part of my tibia and the femur. And he said, you know, a couple of years ago, been an amputation and, you know, the percentage of surviving would be not very good. Hmm. So they went in and, you know, we, we, if you want to talk about that later, we can, but that's, you know, later on down the road. But yeah. No, I don't want to talk about when you got to the hospital and uh, just kind of the early stages of it and how difficult it was to transition from, you know, going to school every day, practicing basketball to just sitting in a hospital bed. Well, it was, of course, it was hard. You, you know, you're still young and you play football. And you know how it's, it's, a, it's going from very busy to having practice every day. And, you know, at that point in time, I was, I was trying to really get into working at basketball to get better at it. Um, you know, my dream was to play, dream, my big dream was to play Kentucky. Hmm. So I had a big, I had a little notebook that said, bro, to Kentucky on it. And I had all my stuff written down on it, all my workouts and things that I did before I got that. And then I'd go up to the Merck Park and work out. And, uh, but going in, going into it, it's, it's pretty, it, it was pretty difficult. Um. Of course, my first few, my first month or two up there, I wouldn't do nothing but sit in my room and not talk to anybody. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the cancer kid. Yeah. I didn't, you know, this wouldn't, you know, I was still kind of in denial at that time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as, as time went on, it was, I got used to the, you can't really get used to chemo, but, yeah. you know, I got, I got used to, getting up and moving around with it and it was it was easier and getting out and talking to different kids that were on the floor and you know it, it wasn't too bad it was pretty bad starting off but after a few months it got easier so you in the hospital for how long um it was 19 treatments throughout a year's time i would do uh, one treatment one weekend take a week off, do two more treatments, take two weeks off. Um, and then I had to make sure my kidney levels and everything were, were good. And 
you know, all my blood blood work, I had to make sure all my counts were up and good enough to be able to do it. If not, then they'd have to give me transfusions and stuff like that. Could you see anybody that, um, you know, didn't really talk to you before this, kind of want, wants to talk to you now? Or like anybody ever like treat you different? Did that ever bother you? That people kind of well, yeah, you get those. You get people that will will treat you different. Does that bother you at all? Did people... no, I could, I could, I could, I could, pretty much tell mm-hmm. the people that took it, took that and wanted to be a part of my life, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it wouldn't, it didn't really bother me. It just it was kind of one of those it is what it is mm-hmm. things. I knew who my real friends were, and, yeah. you know, they're still my friends today. So. Yeah. so, you said you didn't want to kind of be, like, that kid that got sick and then he's never the same. Right. So, how difficult was it to kind of get back to who you was before, after all that traumatic experience and you had to come back? How long did it take you to be like, you know, I'm fine, I'm just how I was? Well, you, I mean, you'll never be how you was, right. but... Right. Well, I don't... I, I'm a big believer in... And God did everything for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, it took me a while to grasp that concept that you know He wanted me to change. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the reason He wanted it. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I I took that as something needed to change in my life. Um, so you know, it, it brought me closer to Him at that time. I kind of got away from from God for a while, and now you know I'm. I'm Doing my best to get back with him. With you know, I, go, I do my Bible study with my friends yeah. every week. Yeah. I try to go to church every Sunday, and yeah. you know, but it it, it was. No, if anybody's listening that had a cancer story, but from your experience, how important is it to have you know friends and family that are there around you? Oh, it's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, if it if it wasn't for my friends and family during that time. I don't know if it's really difficult for what for what chemo takes you through mm-hmm. it does changes to your body uh, you know you lose all your hair and it makes your bones fragile and makes you feel like and they were there just they were there to keep me up and, you know keep me up and keep me going and I'm forever thankful for that so would you say it's more of a mental battle than it is really a physical battle well it is um, because I mean, you're sitting there, you know, you can't, you're, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, hopeless, but you know, once you start off, you've never been like that before. Right. And well, once they put that orange bag up there with those orange or yellow bags up there with that medicine in it and you see it come traveling down that IV into your veins and, you know, and you're sitting there and you don't eat for three or four days and you're puking and passing out and it gets... It gets really difficult. It takes a toll on you, but mm. there. Uh, but like I said, if it if it wasn't for family and friends, it'd been it'd been a very difficult thing to come through. Yeah, so toward the end of that experience, you know, you see on uh, social media and all stuff where they like might ring a bell or something. Did was that? No, that was more of a, I'm done. Let me get the hell out of here. <laughs> so uh, they really didn't start the whole. I, they didn't have a bell or anything up there when I was up there. I think they do now. But this I, is in Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. In Louisville. Um, but they, they do, I think they do now, but I hadn't been up there in probably seven, eight years. Probably, probably don't have any desire to go back. No, I don't have any desire. I can still, you know, I can still feel 
I have a port in my chest. I can still feel it sometimes, and I can still smell the the floor and the all of it. It's just. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's not really like a PTSD thing, like military guys no, throwing. No, it's not that. It's just. Yeah. It's, it's just, just something that you always think about. You're like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's always something in the back of my mind about it. But mm -hmm. you know, it's. I'm moving forward with it, and it is what it is. So when you come back. You know, when everything's over, you come back to a little town like this, and then everybody, you're kind, you're kind of like a hero to everybody. You know, everybody wants to talk to you, say congratulations, all that stuff. Did you, did you ever feel like, you know, on top of the world when you defeated cancer, and then it's just kind of this big story of you're like, you know. Well, there was there was a few times that you know, I'm a, I'm an attention person. Sometimes, and you know it was it that that also really helped um, relay for life. I remember the first time I went up there and got to do the walk and had twenty thirty people walk with me, and that was that was pretty cool. And you know I got to be on the radio a few times and talk about it, and I went around the churches and talked about it when I came back. But you know um, it was it was more not you know thinking, yay, everybody look at me kind of mm -hmm. thing. And yeah. it was more of, you know, I've, I've been through this and I get to share my story and maybe it would help somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but not, I didn't, I'm not going to say I didn't like the attention, but, you know, it, it, it did help me through it. I think it's important that no matter what anybody's going through to know that they're not alone. And if anybody thinks that, you know, somebody is above them, that's just because you're seeing the part of their life that they're showing you. Right. Everybody's going through their own struggle. Oh, yeah. And you're never alone. Everybody, you know, going back to my, there was, you know, there was kids that lost their life when I was up there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can remember, remember vividly some, some stuff, but I'm not going to go into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, everybody, as bad as you think you have it, other people are worse off than you are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you gotta, you know, treat people the way you wanna be treated, help the people that need help, uh, especially those people that are going through rougher times than you. You know, be the friend that, be the friend that, you know, some if you, somebody will call you at three o'clock in the morning, you get up and talk to them, help them mm -hmm. through stuff. Mm -hmm. um, or if somebody just needs, somebody to sit next to them, just listen to them. You know, be that be that person. It's it's better to be that person than you know. Sometimes to, to touch me not or don't talk to me or you know. I, I've always tried to try to be the friend that if you need somebody to talk to, if you want to go sit and have a beer and have some fun, you know, get your mind off some stuff. Call me. We'll go. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's it's yeah. In mom's episode, she said that you ruined a lot of the fun for the uh, rest of us. So when you got back from cancer, you know, you start getting with all your friends again. Was there that kind of mindset of you only live once kind oh, of deal? Because oh yeah. you were so close. Oh, yeah. There was, of course, it didn't really start until I got my license that I got out. And, you know, I've, I had a lot of fun when I was in high school. Mm. Of course, I, I stayed out to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and did some stuff that I ain't going to talk about. And, you know... But 
it's a, it was it was a it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that, but mm-hmm. as, as far as you and Keaton go, it's a it's a different age. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mom. Mom's heard stories about me, and they'll try to kind of text it out on y'all. I apologize for that, <laughs> but I always tell y'all to go out and have your fun, but be safe while you do it, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Cassie's episode, which is which is your wife, mm-hmm. uh, she talks about her experience with y'all getting together. Now I want to get into your experience okay. with getting together. Okay. You got to sit up your chair for this. You don't want to say anything wrong. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so, um... When y'all was kind of talking, was this after the whole sickness deal? Oh yeah, we we didn't we really didn't start talking till the end of my junior year, going into my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we 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 hit it off pretty well. Uh, in high school, we we hung out every weekend, and it was. It was kind of one of those things that seemed like it was meant to be, and you know. So was this way after uh, you oh, got yeah, out? It was way after. So there was never any thought of you know she's just being nice to me. No, <laughs> no, there was no sense. No, no, I, never mind. No. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, you know when y'all started dating, mm-hmm. uh, y'all y'all went for how many years dating? Four or five, I think. You went. We started dating in July of thirteen, mm-hmm. and then we got married in July of eighteen. So, so it was the, it was the day of the day that y'all got that together. we started dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was obviously intentional, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So can you talk about the day of the wedding? And well, no, let's not talk about the wedding yet. Let's talk about the proposal because <laughs> she in her episode talked about that. Yeah. So we was in Panama City, right? And. Uh, I'll just let you take over from here about how that kind of got set up. Well, I told we I've had this plan for a while at the time, and I was talking to her sister Maddie about you know what my plan was and what the plan was. I was taking taking a flight. I was taking it from Panama City to Atlanta, and then to Atlanta to Nashville. So here I am by myself, take my flight from Panama City, landing at Nash or in Atlanta. Atlanta's a huge airport. It's the first time I've ever been in there, and they have their own train system and things. So I rode the, rode the train. And was it was it weird traveling by yourself? I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I was. You know, I was. How old was I at the time? Uh, yeah, twenty four. Twenty something. Yeah, twenty something. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't terrible. The food and stuff was expensive, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, got to Nashville. My uncle Derek came pick me up. That's another yeah. part of Cassie's episode. She don't know who picked you up. Yeah. That's another one. Derek came, my uncle Derek came and picked me up, and we about died on the way back. <laughs> and I hope he listens to this. Okay. We were just outside of Nashville at the time, and a semi-truck had cut him off. Mm-hmm. And, sorry. And, you know, he's, he's a semi-truck driver himself. So we get up to a three lanes right outside of Nashville, and he pulls, swerves across three lanes, pulls right in front of the semi, and hits his brakes real hard. Aww. We're in a little car at the time, <laughs> and you know the semi has to kind of swerve, and you know I thought, well, well, this is it. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna get to propose. 
So, but anyway, we get back to, he lives in, right out, right inside of Greene County, and mm-hmm. we, we get there, and I stay the, well, I say stay the night, but I didn't really sleep. Mm-hmm. And then we took the four-hour drive to Gatlinburg. Was that the longest four-hour drive you've ever had in your life? I it was just a lot had me. It was, it was nerve-wracking, yeah. and, you know, but, you know, I was, I was going to do something that I really, you know, yeah. wanted to do, and. When you're so excited about something, oh yeah, I feel like everything moves so slow. Oh yeah, and then I get down there, and of course I'm with her family, and she is at the Tanger Outlets down there shopping, and she has no idea that I'm there. So I'm with who is my brother-in-law now, uh, my father-in-law, one of his family friends, or a couple of his family friends. And we go to the moonshine tasting place. Mm. And we taste all the moonshine, and I remember one of them, we taste all the moonshine, get some alcohol on the way back, and I go outside, it's on the back porch where I'm going to do it, and you know, I'm sitting there just pacing back and forth, and one of the guys comes out and says, hey, you want another beer? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little toasted by the time she gets there, but, yeah. you know, I kind of. Had to be. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> relax, yeah. and. So does somebody she comes come out, out and you know does we do the thing? Does somebody uh, come out there when she gets there and says, "Hey, she's here"? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, what was that? What was that? Was you like? Oh, well, it's a deep breath. Like, yeah. you know, this is a this is a big life thing. So yeah. we, uh, you know, we, she she goes there. I had this little note written down in the basement. Mm-hmm. She comes up and finds me out there, and of course, four or five of them come out videotaping and. The rest is history. Wow. Yeah. So, now, the wedding part of it, you know, it's it kind of a, I don't really want to say a girl thing, but mostly, you know, the girl sets it up and kind of does all that stuff. Did you ever have any, um, any idea, or did you ever think about what the wedding should be? Oh, yeah. Because I know a lot of guys don't really think about it. I had input. It was more, it was more... Of what, you know, what music I wanted and what color ties and you know stuff like that. But all the all the big decisions were her asking, you know, hey, do you like this? Yeah, yep, yep, sure do. Mm-hmm. So when you ask her to marry you, you know, a lot of uh, guys or mostly all guys ask their dad. Mm-hmm. Was that awkward, or was that like, you know, a moment? <laughs> well, when I asked. When I asked Matt, with Matt, Matt and Amanda, which is Cassie's mom and dad, mm-hmm. uh, she was actually out in the car at the time, and I told her that I forgot something yeah. that I needed to run back in her house, and they were standing in their kitchen, yeah. and I ran in there and said, hey, I, I need to ask you a question. Yeah. I need Amanda in here. So Amanda was, I think, in the laundry room at the time. Mm-hmm. So Matt called her in there, and I asked him, and they, he, I remember he said, he said, as long as she finishes... She needs to finish school first. Yeah. I said, that's that's my plan. I said, yeah. yeah. I said, we're going to get out of school. And she got a job, and then we, we got married. So. Yeah. so y'all lived in an apartment um, over kind of uh, with the Mexican restaurant, or the old Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, how different is it, you know, moving out from the house you grew up in, you know, moving out, you're not really by yourself, but you're with Cassie, mm-hmm. and then you gotta move in your own house. You gotta pay your own bills. How different is that from you know the responsibilities of 
you know, just play video games. Go oh, no, it's, it's a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, it's, you get out and you, you gotta, you're not only taking care of yourself, you have your wife to take care of. Now I have a child to take care of mm-hmm. and a wife to take care of. You know, it's, it's a never ending cycle. It's, I mean, it's not brilliant. It's, like, it's a never ending, you know, bills. And, but it's, it's, it's difficult when you move out of the house, but, you know, people say, you know, college and high school is the best age of your life, and I thoroughly disagree with that. Mm. It's, you know, this is the best days of my life are ahead of me, and, mm. you know, it's 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 something that I recommend, you know, get out, of, get out of your house and, you know, go live on your own and have have some fun and find the woman of you, your dreams and get married and have kids and, you know, live the live the American life. Mm. So, uh, you, you, um, mentioned that you had a kid now and I want to get to that a little later, but when you was in the apartment, you know, Cassie was pregnant and then y'all moved houses and got a new house. And I think in your mind, you realized that you was going to be spending time in the house with your kid, your wife, how, you know, surreal is the moment where you, now you're buying your own house. You kind of had your own house with the apartment and everything, mm-hmm. but now it's your own house. You can do whatever you want to with it. You're going to be in there for, you know, for a long time. Ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how surreal is that? You know, because you always think about it. You always think about moving out. And now you actually have a house that's on your land. There's no one else that can tell you what to do with it. Well, <laughs> Uh, there's there was a few there's been a few moments where I I'd be mowing the yard and you know I'd get down and I'd sit on the mower for a minute and think, holy shit, yeah, this is all mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's but it's it's uh, you know there, there's always stuff that there's always stuff that you can you think of that you want to improve on it and you know it's but owning your own place well it's not really I don't really own it to bank kind of has it right now but uh but you know being able to say something that is is going to be mine and i can do what i want with it and you know it's 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 really surreal but i wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world like i said y'all got the new house mainly because cassie was pregnant you don't want to raise brooks in the apartment right well it's not that we wanted to raise not raise him in the apartment it's we wanted more space to yeah. be able to do things. Yeah, I wasn't getting at that part. Right, right. Thing, yeah, but, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but um, yeah, a lot of people talk about mainly fathers, a father's love mm-hmm. for their child. Right. And you know, I'm sure that when you didn't have a child yet, you was like, you know, whatever. And now you realize what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, what is that like? You know, for the love of Brooks. Well, there's a saying that you don't know true love until you have a child, and that's the truth. There's nothing, I, I couldn't explain the amount of love I have for Brooks. It's, you know, it's, there's two people I would I would die over in this world, and one of them's Cassie, and the other one's just Brooks. Yeah. So, it's it's something else. Yeah. Um, so, I, at the end here, I kind of want to ask two questions to kind of go over the whole episode okay Okay, so if you could give advice to any um person that's in the process of chemo 
or kind of in the early stages of chemo, what would be the advice that you give them? Uh, the best thing is is make sure you have your support group. Yeah, support group is the number one number one thing when going through something as major as cancer is and having chemo. You know, somebody that, like I said, that you can call and you know you're having a rough time or you're sick and somebody's there to help. Um, number two is you know just keep your head up. You know, it's it's so easy to get down and you know think that. You know, when is this going to end? And it really does hit you about midway that, you know, I just want it to be over. But, you know, just, just listen to your doctors and do do what they tell you to do. Um, you know, keep to the process and it, it'll get it'll get easier. The light's at the end of the tunnel. So, so the last one I have for you is uh, any, uh, any guy that is wanting to start their own family or they're about to have a, have a kid, what would be advice that you would give them to kind of, you know, chillax their nerves? Or is there anything that you can really say that could prepare there, anybody? There, there's nothing you can do to prepare for it. There's, there's either, you know, every every child is different and every marriage is different. So, you know, just just make sure it's the, the person you want you want to spend the rest of your life with Make sure that, you know, you have every, all, all the stuff that you can, all your P's and Q's in line the best you can. And, you know, it's a, it's a day by day thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take it day by day and be the best father you can be and best mother you can be. And, you know, that's, that's all you can do. And just trust in, trust in the Lord and he'll help you. He'll help you throughout the, throughout the process. So. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, tomorrow night I'll have um, Mike Davis from the UFC on. Um, go check out my new YouTube. I've uh, I've started up a new YouTube kind of for a fun thing. You know, I do uh, Warzone stuff on there. So uh, go check that out. Um, make sure to listen to all the prior episodes of Shaking the Family Tree. Logan, thanks for doing this. No problem. And uh, I hope that, you know, Brooks grows up to be six foot five NBA player. <laughs> oh yeah, we're about six seven, about two twenty. Yeah, plays for foot and plays football. There you go. Yeah, well, work, okay. Everybody be safe and uh, Logan. Thanks for doing us. Yep. Have a good morning, everybody.